0: Okay, we are back here in the Jiggy Jig while you show. Speaking with Greg, I don't want to butcher that last name. I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> it's Kalikas. Kalikas. Oh, well, that's yeah. not as bad. No, not <laughs> as bad as it looks. Huh? <laughs> you are the host of Pro Karate Weekly, correct? Correct. We, uh, we go out every Wednesday night. Uh, also, the promoter of uh, Little Event. I wouldn't say Little by some of the guys you've got on it this weekend, uh, or is it
1: next weekend? It's uh, June 10th, actually. Oh, June and, 10th, okay. Yeah, it's a couple weeks away, and, um, yeah, it's going to be a great event here in, in Cleveland, Ohio, the Scene Pavilion um, in the Flats District, which uh, I- I'm sure pretty much everybody's familiar with. Oh, yeah. Should be a... Uh... A loaded fight card. Um, you know, we're very excited about it. Uh, give us a little rundown on it, just... Yeah, we're gonna, uh, it's, a, it's a Gladiators Fighting Series event, um, which is uh, you know a great organization here uh, throughout the country. They do events in uh, Milwaukee and Illinois, um, Ohio, of course, uh, and, and we've expanded into Canada. Um, and this one, June 10th, Fight Night in the Flats 2 is going to be our biggest event to date. Um, in the 10 years that, that we've been uh, doing Gladiators events, uh, 16 wow. fights total, we're going to have 10 pro bouts uh, with some very familiar names to uh, to mixed martial arts fans. Dan Bull uh, who is a UFC veteran, has fought uh, overseas for Pride, is the former King of the Cage Super Heavyweight Champion. Um, this guy only weighs about 300 pounds of solid muscle, and uh, needless to say, he's uh, fighting for our Super Heavyweight title against another 300-pounder, Eric Knox, who uh, trains with uh, Team Hammerhouse, Mark Coleman, and those guys in Columbus. That's one of our featured matchups, but we have three other title fights that night, um, including Jason Steeltown-Taylor out of Pittsburgh. Wow. Currently undefeated. He's uh, one of the best lightweights in the sport, period. Um, Along with Ryan the Lion Madigan, he's uh, well-known in the kickboxing circles, currently fights uh, for Chuck Norris in the World Combat League. He's decided to make the crossover and and, uh, compete in mixed martial arts, and he's making his debut in the cage on June 10th. Wow. I'll tell you that, that bull Bobish guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that guy fight a few times. He is somebody you do not want to be scrolling with. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's a fierce competitor, and, um, you know, he was a two-time All-American wrestler in college, and, um, you know, you, you really couldn't find a better fit for uh, for his personality, and uh, obviously his look is, is perfect for the sport. And we're just, you know, thrilled to have him on the card, and, um, you know, like you said, anybody that's seen this guy fight... Um, you know, knows that it's definitely worth the price of admission just yeah. to check this guy out in action. How did you guys secure his services for this? Thing? Well, luckily, um, Dan wor- uh, lives and trains in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, we've been fortunate enough to have, uh, some ties to him throughout the past few years. Of course, he's been on PKW to promote events. And, uh, you know, with this being right in his backyard, it was, it was kind of, uh, mutually beneficial. Of course, he gets to fight in front of his hometown fans for a title. And, um, you know, we get a world class caliber fighter on our card, and uh, of course, everybody wins—the promoters, the fans, and uh, and Dan. So, like I said, we're we're pumped about it, and uh, I can't wait for June 10th to get here. Is this gonna? Is this event just gonna be exclusive? You got to be there to see
0: it, or are you guys gonna do some type of DVD or online?
1: Oh yeah, it'll it'll definitely come out on DVD. Um, we've got a production team, uh, a great production team, and all of our events are released on DVD, so that'll be available. Uh, I'm guessing probably towards uh, September, October of this year. That's um, We are also working right now to try to get uh, a deal done with the Sports Talk Network um, and possibly webcast the fight for the fans that that might not be able to make the trip into Cleveland. Nice. Um, yeah, we don't know if that's going to get done in time for June 10th, but definitely by uh, our October and December shows we'll have that uh, available for the fans. Wow, you guys, you've been promoting this event for 10 years, you said. Well, this is our second show in Cleveland, but uh, the Gladiators Fighting Series, Duke Rufus, uh, former oh, kickboxing okay. world champion. Uh, yeah, he founded this series ten years ago. It started, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Milwaukee. Um, you know, at, at that time it was all kickboxing and uh, you know higher level kickboxing, a lot of K one fighters and whatnot. Um, and over the years, it's kind of evolved into uh, you know in, into both. Really, we do kickboxing um, as well as mixed martial arts now, and of course with MMA being. Uh, as big as it is nationally, and, you know, with television (laughs) exposure, it's worked out well for us. So, um, with this, how many events do you promote a year? Um, The Gladiators Fighting Series does uh, between 10 to 14 events nationally, well, internationally, actually, uh, throughout the year. We do four here in Cleveland, um, two of them at the the Outdoor Pavilion, which, uh, again, we're doing here June 10th, and then we do two indoor shows in Cleveland. And, you know, pretty much everywhere we go, uh, the Gladiators events sell out. Um, you know, it's top-level competition, very organized and uh, well-run events, uh, professional. We treat the fans first rate. We treat the fighters first rate. And, um, you know, the fans always get their money's worth. It's, it's just a great time. And, uh, you know, we're happy to be affiliated with the promotion. So for people who are new to the sport as far as
0: uh, your, your events go, what Do you guys do everything in a ring, is it in a
1: cage? It's in a cage. It's in a, a six-sided cage. Um, you know, we, we do uh, UFC rules, basically. Uh, you know, elbows are allowed, knees are allowed. Um, you know, we use the four-ounce mixed martial arts gloves. It's basically as, as seen on TV. And, um, you know, we're also working here in Ohio. There's uh, a company, Sports Time Ohio, which is uh, broadcasting the, the Cleveland Indians games here throughout the state. So we're talking to those guys about uh, possibly putting the Gladiators Fighting Series on television, but wow. yeah, that, that's down the road. Um, yeah. For now, again, we're just uh, focusing on on building our series. Um, and, and the the biggest difference between us and, and some of the other organizations, we take more of the grassroots approach. Um, you know, we promote uh, through our fighters and we try to build our fighters as opposed to the organization. Yeah. And uh, we feel that's you know that's allowed the fans to get closer to the fighters and the and the series and uh, you know, has allowed us to uh to continue to expand. Well, Greg, for for people who are not uh who are, who are into fighting and, and all that,
0: what what steps do you guys do uh to put an event together?
1: Well, that's uh <laughs> that's a long process. <laughs> I mean uh you know, people. I don't think realize how much work and time and effort that goes into planning one of these shows. Um, you know, regardless of, of the level, if you're if you're doing it at a 10,000 seat venue or a 1,500 seat venue, it's it's a lot of work. Um, but to be honest, uh, it all depends on the fighters. I think the most important part of doing a show like this is the matchmaking. Um, you know, if, if you put a product um, in the ring, and I, I don't want to call the fighters products, but you know, let let's face it, it's you know, it's it's You can put two fighters in there that are going to put on a good show. Um, you know, it, 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 that, that's really all that the fans are looking for. And that's easier said than done. Uh, you have to have a lot of knowledge about the sport, about the fighters that you're dealing with. And uh, you know, we 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 go all out as far as the venue, our uh, production level. Um, you know, we spend no expense at no expense to uh you know to make sure that everybody that's involved and that comes out to see one of our events um, is. is is going to yeah. want to come back, and, uh, we feel that we've accomplished that. Now, you mentioned that,
0: uh, you're hooked up with the Gladiator Fight Series and Duke Rufus. Do they have any type of, do they provide you any type of help, or do they just stick their name on it?
1: <laughs> I know. Duke is, uh, actually our main ring announcer for our shows here in Cleveland. Oh. Um, he's, you know, definitely hands on him and, uh, Scott Jaffe, who's, um, you know, another of, uh, of, uh the higher-ups with the Gladiators fighting series, uh, you know, they, they've been great. They've helped us basically from, uh, from day one as, as far as the way to go about promoting the series, um, you know, helping us uh, matchmake, and, and uh, you know, they've been great. And like I said, Duke is actually present at the event. He's the main ring announcer. Um, you know, he always spends time talking to the fans, signing autographs. So that's just another perk, uh, you know, for people that, that do come out and see the show, Last year, UFC middleweight champion Rich Franklin uh, came out and made an appearance. Uh, George Gergel from The Ultimate Fighter. Um, We're expecting Mark Coleman and Stefan Bonner to appear this year. So, you know, it's not just what goes on in the cage, there's, um, you know, a festive like atmosphere throughout the event and the venue. And, of course, the pavilion, the the scene pavilion, sits right on Lake Erie. It's an outdoor venue, Um, perfect backdrop for, uh, for a fight show. And, um, you know, just make sure you guys come out June 10th. You're not gonna want to miss it. Well, I'll tell you, just uh, just from the from the poster itself <laughs> to the
0: descriptions of some of the fighters, it it is gonna be an exciting little event. And
1: I, yeah. and, and from what you can tell, it's not really all that little. No, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, last year was again our first time in Cleveland. We had a uh, little over 2,000 people attend the, the inaugural show, and really that wasn't with a lot of promotion. We kind of wanted to get our feet wet in this market and and see what the reaction would be. Um, you know, this year we're already about 85% uh, to capacity. We're expecting a sellout, 5,000 people, um, you know, just rocking that place. And uh, believe me, it, it's going to be loud. It's going to be frenzied and it's um, going to be one hell of a show. Do you have to go through any
0: athletic commissions when you set these up? or?
1: Yes, yes. Um, we were fortunate enough to, uh, you know, to be sanctioned by the Ohio Athletic Commerci- uh, Commission. We work hand-in-hand uh, with them to assure, you know, of course, the uh, – the safety of our fighters and fans. Uh, we take all precautions necessary and, again, it, you know, it adds to the credibility of the event if um, everybody involved knows that it's a sanctioned event and, um, you know, we, we, we really don't want to, um, you know, take any chances. Again, the yeah. sport's new. It's in its infancy stages and, you know, um, a serious injury could be a, a a big setback in this stage, so we definitely uh, do what we have to do to get the event sanctioned. Do you guys assign the referees,
0: or is that the athletic commissions?
1: The athletic commission yeah. assigns the referees, the judges, timekeepers, scorekeepers. Um, they're all certified, of course, and and they do know the sport. And um, really, Ohio is is kind of along with uh, with Nevada has kind of set the standard for uh, for mixed martial arts. Um, Ohio is the first state to actually sanction. And approved amateur mixed martial arts, and wow. uh, I know uh, me affiliated with Pro Karate Weekly. They're also working with the North American Amateur Fight Series, which is really the first national um, organization to uh, to try to establish the amateurs as far as mixed martial arts goes. Which yeah, because you know, there's nothing there hardly. Really. Yeah, that's that's the future of the sport. I mean, right now, you know, every major sport—baseball, football, basketball—they have minor league foundation so to speak where you know the, the, the up and coming talent can can work and improve and, and kinda get a taste of, of what it's about to uh to step on, you know, the professional level oh, and yeah. that's what the NAAFS is doing. Well with uh you being involved with Pro Karate
0: Weekly and uh everything, for people who are not familiar with the program, give us a little background on that as well.
1: Yeah, PKW Live is um, a basically an internet radio show. We air uh, every Wednesday night on uh, SportsTalkCleveland.com. Uh, you can also hear us pretty much anywhere on the planet if you log on to, uh, to ProKarateWeekly.com. We air live from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, we cover anything and everything that is mixed martial arts and, and kickboxing. Um, we feature live interviews every Wednesday, and, and we allow the fans to kind of interact with the fighters, um, you know, the biggest names. In the sport, uh, come on to PKW and uh, preview fights. They talk about uh, training regiments, and um, it's really been a successful show. We've been on the air for about three years, and um, that's cool. You know, we, we just uh, you know locked ourselves in with Sports Talk Cleveland for another couple years, and um, you know we're happy about uh, the whole direction that uh, this whole thing is heading. Well, with the uh,
0: your event coming up soon, and then uh, UFC sixty, what are your thoughts on Hughes
1: Gracie? <laughs> well, we're actually going to be uh, hearing from Hoyce Gracie on PKW here, hopefully, this week. Oh, we wow. had Matt Hughes on last Wednesday, and, um, you yeah, know, he was very confident, uh, of course, as he should be being uh, the welterweight champion. It and, is. Um, yeah, I, I think right now, uh, from uh, from our listeners, the emails and the phone calls that we've gotten and the people that I've talked to, a lot of people are not giving Hoist Gracie enough of, uh, of a chance here. They seem to forget that, um, you know, he's basically the man that... Uh, brought the sport to the forefront and uh Yeah submission artist in the planet, bar none and I don't know how you can underestimate him and count him out. Matt Hughes is a great, great champion and um has redefined uh the welterweight division. But I look for this to be a really close fight and um I would not be surprised if uh Hoyce Gracie hung in there long enough to uh you know to, to to allow Hughes to make a mistake and possibly win by submission.
0: Well, so this is what uh, John McCarthy of the Open Fighting Championship brought up last week when we talked to him, and that is that Hoist, you know, everybody's not giving him enough of a shot on this. Right. It just yeah. seems to be a, a thing. I don't know if it's the fact that, because I've talked to some people at my local gym, and they're like, well, I'm, they mention uh, Hughes Gracie, or I mention Hughes Gracie, just in talk, and they're like, Grazy, what is
1: he, 60? <laughs> and it's not close, <laughs> but uh, he, he's, he's definitely getting up there. But, you know, people tend to forget Hoyce is not, um, you know, just he didn't go away after uh, the early UFC. Well, see, this been. is the thing. A lot of people that, that aren't involved with the sport
0: don't realize he went to Pride. He went to K-1. Right. Granted, some of those fights were a little strange, the, uh, <laughs> the Aki Bono fight and some of these
1: others, but. Yeah, I mean he's still, you know, he he's he's been tested. He hasn't been tested the the way that Matt Hughes has. But uh, believe me, Hoist is going to be ready for this matchup. And uh, forget what the oddsmakers say. I, I know. Um, I think BetOnFighting.com opened the uh, the odds for this fight at as Hughes uh, being a three to one favorite. Um, oh, wow! I, I don't <laughs> see it right now. If you guys are in into the MMA gaming, um, you know, go raise go some money on Hoist, and, um, you know, I think he's got a, a really good chance, I, I see this as a 50-50 fight, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, seeing how it plays out Saturday night. Do you think it's the case, and John McCarthy
0: wouldn't really get into this, and I can see why he wouldn't get into this, because this is sort of borderlining bashing Zufa, but I find it Strange, just from the the old, and and I kind of look at it like with uh, Vince McMahon and what he did with uh, WCW in professional wrestling. It seems like that UFC, the new UFC, Zufa, has been trying to like, I don't know if you'd say kill or destroy the old guys from the <laughs> the the company, but it seems like they brought in Shamrock, and he got his ass beat. By Tito, then they brought in Tank, and instead of putting Tank in there with these brawlers that people want to see and that they have on their roster, they went, "Oh, jujitsu guys."
1: Yeah, I think there is a little something to that. Um, like you said, I think with the new UFC, they are trying to take a little bit away from the WWE, um, and I think yeah. they need to, as far as building, you know, personas for some of the fighters and whatnot. And I also think they are trying to, to basically. Not necessarily cut ties with the UFC of the past, but yeah. make a statement to say, "Hey, the sport is is new. This, you know, there's a new breed of fighters now. Um, you know, it, it's time that uh, that people step up and take notice." And as far as Tank and and uh, Ken Shamrock, you know, I think the UFC didn't intend on bringing these guys in to necessarily um, go out the way that they did. Especially with Ken, I think they were expecting a little bit more from him. Especially with his last uh, matchup with Rich Franklin, um, yeah. I, I don't think anybody expected that. But that being said, I think um, you know it's allowing them to build the new faces of the UFC. I mean, you know that fight with Ken Shamrock really put Rich Franklin on the. Mark. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and at the same time, Chuck Liddell, who's been around since you know arguably the earlier UFC days, not you know UFC one, two, yeah, or yeah. three. But, you know, he, he had a presence in the early UFCs, and he's still around and a guy that they're obviously trying to build. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, they're taking a little bit from both worlds, and, um, you know, really it's all about their marketing right now. And I, I personally think that Dana White's doing a good job. and um, Oh, yeah, you know, I nice think he's presence.
0: doing a hell of a job. This is what John McCarthy was bringing out, and I've brought this out to several people, and that is they're like, oh, Dana White's this and that. And it's like, <laughs> well, you know something? If Dana White and, he, and
1: Zufa wouldn't have come along... There wouldn't be at UFC. They wouldn't be. You know, the whole sport would still be in the dark ages, um, especially here in the United States. I mean, love him or hate him. And, yeah, there's a lot of hate for the guy right now. But let's face it, when you get to the top of the mountain, you know, you're going to have that. Everybody's going to try to knock you <laughs> off. And, um, you know, Dana White, you know, he's uh, looking back 10 years from now, he's 10, 15 years from now, he's going to be looked at, you know, as, as a pioneer, as, as a man that really brought the sport to you know, to the to the place where it's gonna be and, and where we're definitely heading. Um you know, I don't think anybody can argue that um, you know, it's the fastest growing sport in the world right yeah. now and uh in this country, in my opinion within two or three years it's gonna overtake professional wrestling and popularity. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it already has
0: with uh some of the well, and, like, with Vince, he's he's really running scared because he's made a lot of uh, gimmicks just recently that are, right. are based
1: off, you know, NHB UFC guys. So. Yeah, there's no doubt. Vince is still uh, yeah. in the heat, and, um, you know, I have some connections to uh, to some guys that, that cover professional wrestling, and they're definitely, uh, you know, Vince is worried about uh, the mixed martial arts, yeah. as he should be, um, yeah. you know. And now that, that we're starting to see, again, the UFC building personalities a little bit um, yeah I, I think the fans have uh, you know are going to be crossing over by the hordes and and I can understand why it's a great sport and um, you know there is nothing more exciting and more pure than uh, than mixed martial arts. do you think that uh, Zuffa and the UFC should go
0: back to the dramatic entrances that they had at one time, or do you think they should just keep
1: it like they've got it where it looks like professional boxing? Um, you know what? I I, I kind of miss the dramatic entrances a little bit, and if, it, I think they should take a page from Pride's book when it comes to uh, oh, yes. the, the ring entrances. <laughs> I, you know, anybody that's watched a Pride pay-per-view, um, you know, that's half the show is, is the guys making the the walk to the ring, and you can really feel the energy in the crowd. I do like you know the way that the UFC stepped in and and took care of uh, you know a lot of the post-fight speech and hype. Yeah. that was unnecessary, but. You know, the Rock to, to, <laughs> uh, you know, to the Ring is is a build-up. I, I really would like to see, you know, a little bit more showmanship. Um, you know, but in the end, it's all about what goes down in the cage, you know, between the ropes, any way you want to look at it. It's about, yes. you know, the fighters themselves and uh, their ability to bang. And, um, you know, the crop of fighters that are coming up here in the next four to five, even ten years, it's really going to be scary. Well, you guys cover on
0: Pro Karate Weekly more than just UFC. You cover kickboxing. And
1: what, what are your thoughts <clears throat> Excuse me, on, like, K-1? Well, I'm a huge K-1 guy, um, you know, and I, I love kickboxing. I love K-1, honestly. Um, right now it's just a bad situation for them. Um, you know, yeah. and that's coming off the most entertaining tournament that the K-1 has ever done here in the States just a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas well right now everybody's talking mixed martial arts and um you're starting to slowly see K1 uh you know dip their feet into the mixed martial arts pool as well yes. they're starting to you know slowly promote uh, mixed martial arts events with heroes and and now strike force on the west coast um you know but being with PKW we get a chance to cover a lot of uh, a lot of the smaller you know regional events and and we really get yeah. a chance to see some of the fighters that are on you know, the second or third tiers that are close to breaking through. And that's why I can say the talent pool is is just unbelievable out there. And I think, um, you know, the fighters that we're going to start to see break through in the next few years, it, it's just going to be uh, even that much more exciting for everybody. Well, with the uh, K-1 event, whenever I
0: talk to people about K-1 and they, and they talk about the K-1 USA events and everything, the one name that always gets brought up is Michael McDonald. Why is this guy never able to break through? He's never been able. He, he wins the USA stuff. Hell, well, a couple of years ago, they had a tournament from what, you know, you could, I, I don't know if if you guys had that opinion of this, but it seemed like they held a tournament just so he could
1: be in it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've heard that before. A lot of people seem to think that, uh, you know, especially over the past few years that, you know, K-1 was kind of catering towards Michael McDonald and Carter Williams and, and yeah. you know, the two North American stars, uh, you know, potentially that had the hope of bringing the title here. But, you know, with Michael McDonald, I, you know, I, I just think it's a case of, you know, on the world stage, he's he's a little bit overrated. And I love him. Yeah. I think he's a hell of a fighter. You know, but fighting guys here in the States and in Canada, it's, it's a totally different ballgame when you fight guys from Holland and, um, oh, yeah. you know, and even Japan, <laughs> I mean, you know, the talent pool, overseas is, is just head and shoulders above what it is here in North America. Um, and I think you see that. Once he does make it to the Tokyo Dome, regardless of who he's matched up with, and I think he's had a little bit of bad luck, too, along the way, but um, yeah. you know, the Ray Seffos, the Remy Janskys of this world, I think are just a little bit on a higher level than uh, than a fighter like Michael McDonald. Yeah. But very entertaining, and um, like I said, I love the guy, and uh, you know the Black Sniper is certainly made for uh, some great K-1 memories.
0: Well, I've always wondered, he goes from, he wins the USA event, and then I never see him at the, the Tokyo show. It, it, does he lose somewhere along the way? or <laughs> Yeah, there's another step it's in like between. He
1: drops out. <laughs> well, he's had, again, he's had some bad luck with injuries, too, that have yeah. actually caused him uh, in the past to withdraw. But, you know, once you win a K-1 USA tournament here, it's, you know, you're not automatically seated to fight in Tokyo oh, for the finals. There's one okay. more step, um, you know, and and on occasion he's, he's you know, kind of falling off at, at that second step. But, uh, again, it's, it should take nothing away from what he's accomplished. I mean, the guy's won, you know, 60-some-odd fights. He oh, has a okay. against the best in the world. And, I mean, he's beaten Mirko Krokop, which is an yes. accomplishment in itself. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, is, that is quite a name when you think about the –
0: the guys that he's beat and then that, that one name pops up there. Yeah. What yeah. you
1: to be go no, go ahead. I I was just gonna say, to be honest to me a bigger disappointment has has been Carter Williams. Um, you know, was a guy that, that came out his first year, broke through, winning the K one Vegas tournament, beat Michael McDonald, yeah. beat Rick Rufus, the legendary yeah. Rick Rufus in the finals and really has never been able to live up to the expectations. Um, you know, there's a fighter with all the talent in the world but um, you know, To really break through, whether it's mixed martial arts or kickboxing, you get to the point where a lot of the fighters are really on the same level as far as talent. It's what separates, you know, the A-level fighters from the B-level fighters. It's what's between the ears, and I hate to say it, but I think Carter's biggest, uh, you know, fallback was his mental focus, and I I just don't think he had enough upstairs to uh, to allow him to really take that next step. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, he's a... He's a great guy,
0: great up and comer, and I I wish he'd get it together. <laughs> He's running out of time. I don't even know if, <laughs> if you can call him an up and comer anymore. Well, see, that's the thing. Uh, you look at some of the uh, we mentioned Pride earlier. What what do you guys? I I always ask this to every MMA guy that I ever talk to. What do you guys think of Bob Sapp?
1: <laughs> is this is just the greatest story ever. or what <laughs> Man, I, I could probably spend <laughs> three or four hours talking just about Bob Sapp, but um, I, you know, Bob Sapp is one of those guys. You got to give him credit. Um, you know, he he took advantage of what was given to him. He was, I guess, at the right place at the wrong at the right time, yeah. and um, you know, he's benefited benefited from it. But you know, to compare Bob Sapp, you know, to to uh, Fedor or you know, <laughs> any of these guys, yeah. um, is 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 really a joke, and especially now, I mean, Bob Sapp, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he pulled out of, uh... Yeah, there's a he's going to Pride. Well, he's been in Pride. Um, oh. You know, he's fought in Pride before, yeah. and he actually was supposed to fight last weekend in uh, in Holland against Ernesto Hoost, and, um, was actually in the building and pulled out of the fight. Apparently, he wasn't happy with, uh, some of, uh, you know, some things that weren't in his locker room <laughs> or whatever, and he just, you know, up and left, uh, left the building about two hours before the fight. So right now he's looking at possibly a, a lifetime ban from K-1, and, um, you know, I don't know if, if uh, Pride is looking at picking him up. You know, this it's, it's just a bad situation that he yeah. put himself in. So, you know, I think we potentially could have heard the end of, uh, of Bob
0: Sapp. Well, there's been a, a rumor floating around for the, the past several months with the fact that Brock Lesnar recently settled his, his lawsuit with Vance that, Japan is trying to put together, as awkward as it seems, <laughs> a Bob
1: Sapp-Brock Lesnar fight. Yes, um, <laughs> Why yeah. would anyone pay to see this? Well, you know what? In Japan, they would. They absolutely would. Um, and I would hesitate to say they would probably pay to see that right here in the States. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as big a name as Brock Lesnar is, let's face it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm really not a fan of, of and we call those circuits on PKW and <laughs> they brought up. because um, that's basically all they are oh, yeah. Granted, Lesnar, you know, I'm sure is a great athlete and was a great professional wrestling and who knows, he might be a you know, a good fighter, but um Well see, they they've had some things in the past where
0: uh I remember back in the day they showed a they were doing a highlight clip and they were promoting this fight between The Rock and Brock Lesnar, and they were showing The Rock, you know, sprinting and training, and they were showing Brock hit a heavy bag, and he just wasn't connecting with decent shots, and I thought, oh my god, what is this? And <laughs> then when then when there were rumors coming up, oh, Brock wants to do MMA, I'm like, okay, he, he's a great athlete, he's a former NCAA wrestling champion, but He's going to have to know a little bit more than wrestling to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, you would think they learned from the Sean O'Hare
1: experiment. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, that maybe, that's, maybe that's not the way to go. But again, I mean, you never know. It, 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 Daniel Pewter, who I'm, I'm sure uh, wrestling fans are familiar yeah. with and um, who happens to be a friend of mine, yeah, that's a different situation. I really believe that um, Daniel Pewter could be successful in professional wrestling as well as mixed martial what arts. Is. He's come up with a mixed martial arts background. He knows jiu-jitsu. It's easier for him as opposed to somebody that's coming in with, you know, just wrestling or even a – I mean, there's been a lot of boxers that have tried to cross over and do kickboxing and mixed martial arts. It's just a very difficult transition. But at the same time, for K-1, it's a brilliant business move. You know, you're going to be tapping into millions and millions of fans that are going to want to watch this just – for the fact that Black is <laughs> participating. So, you know, obviously it's a move that if they can make they have to make. Um yeah. It's it's just a, a, a it really strange move. move. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well I you you bring up uh Daniel Pewter. I would I would have loved to see him do more in professional wrestling. I there's a lot of
1: people that share the belief that when he had the opportunity he should have broke Kurt Angles <laughs> ankle. <laughs> Uh, yeah he talked to daniel about that and looking back he, you know i think he wishes that he would have um and i think the wwe dropped the ball on on daniel um obviously he was a popular figure i mean you know look at all the votes he, he had just to win the uh tough enough contest and you know he's got the persona he's got the mixed martial arts the potential ufc twist that they could have built on um you know, so I don't know what happened. You know, There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes um, that we're not privy to, but uh, I agree with you. I think Daniel would have been a perfect fit, and timing wise, you know, the, the WWE just blew it. And now, hopefully, um, looks like Strike Force is
0: going to be capitalizing off of it. I would have liked to see him possibly in the Ultimate Fighter House, but I don't know. That would be really way too much. I, I know a lot of those guys that have been on there have got a little bit of MMA experience, but
1: Pewter would have just I think blew him away. Yeah, Daniel would have been a good fit. Um, I, I think, um, you know, with his ability and, again, his personality makes for great television. I think he would have been uh, a good fit to the Ultimate Fighter household. But uh, and, and I know for a fact that they were actually talking to him about uh, possibly being on the cast of Season 2 at the time. Wow. But uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And, um, you know, I don't think Daniel is going to complain. I think he's in a good position right now. Strike Force, you know, they there's oh, 18,000 yeah. fans to their last show. Um, and I think really, you know, going back to Scott Coker, he's smart when it comes to being able to, you know, to, to build a star. And I think he's got one in Daniel Pewter, and we'll see what he does with them. That's great. I've enjoyed
0: the conversation. We ran out of time. I will uh, get you an email this evening, let you know when it's going to air and everything. And uh, All right. Good luck with the event. Keep us
1: updated on everything. I uh, certainly appreciate it, and, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we appreciate the exposure. And um, any fans that are interested and want to check out the fight card, listen to PKW Live. You can go to ProKarateWeekly.com and uh, get all your information online. Do you suffer from depression?
0: Well, you don't have to. Not anymore. Finally, a non-prescription medical breakthrough. It's the Jiggy Jaguar Show. JiggyJaguar.com. There we go. We are back here on the Jiggy Jaguar, you show. JiggyJaguar.com is the website. Uh, Tony Reynolds, I'll tell you, Tony, you've, you've got a heck of a background in athletic training and all that good stuff. Give us a little, give us some background. Well, I uh, kind
2: of got started in the industry back in, I think it was 1994. Uh, yeah. Just doing some personal training here at Fairhood, Indiana. Uh, I worked for, like, the local YMCA and, and a couple other little fitness facilities here in town. And I did that for about three years and, and kind of didn't really enjoy it much. Uh, I just, uh, there was something missing from what I was getting out of my clients. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was in my third year of uh, my undergraduate degree at NES State in Exercise Science, and uh, I noticed that they were looking for help at our uh, strength conditioning program at the University. And, uh, I, over and I just volunteered, you know, they uh, they didn't really have any money and it was kind of a new program. Uh, they were on their fourth new strength coach, so it's kind of a developing program and, and I ended up volunteering for thirty or forty 30 to thirty five hours a week and uh, really impressed the powers that be, and uh, ended up actually in Florida at the International Performance Institute doing an internship and to be jobs from rent. Um uh, spent a year standard came back to town here and, uh, got into a master's degree at ISU doing, uh, sports biomechanics, and, uh, ended up at rose Holman University as their strength coach. Wow. And it's been about two, yeah, yeah it's been, been along a winding road. Um, it's been about two years doing that and, uh, you know, there was just some kind of turmoil in the program over there and they phased out the strength program to bring in more of a wellness program and, yeah. uh, I think that happened about 2002, and I just decided to go into business for myself, and uh, you know, since then, I've got a fairly, uh a really good program, I've uh, run out of a couple facilities here, and uh, you know, I'm now on the board of directors for the International Youth Conditioning Institute, or Conditioning Association, and uh, just doing some other things, just trying to stay
0: busy. Damn. <laughs> heck of a,
1: yeah.
0: heck of a journey, my friend yeah yes yeah. it's, it's uh it's been active <laughs> yeah's <laughs> been active it seems like I'm not in one place for too long you know <laughs>
2: well,
0: well, that's yeah. not that's, that's not a bad good. thing sure sure keep uh, my mind going there you go um <laughs> the the website p s s dot com uh what can people expect when they when they go to the website you yeah, know there's there's a lot of different things on there um well, I'm I'm big in education. I've got a lot of articles there so, uh, on theory,
2: philosophy of training, or you know, at sure. least my experience.
0: You've got uh, all sorts of different things on the website. I noticed you've got a a vertical jump manual. Add four to five inches to your vertical jump in 17 weeks. Yeah, uh, I've caught some flack for that statement because it is a a kind of a it's a lofty
2: statement. Uh, But to be honest with you, I created that protocol when I was uh, working at ISU in my undergraduate, and uh, I was working with the women's soccer team there, and that statement derives directly from the testing, pre- and post-testing that I do with it. And we wow. do see those kind of increases in the vertical jump. So, yeah. you know, it's not just a kept or some sales copy. It, it really occurred. And, uh, you know, the only, <laughs> the only factor that changed in those girls lives is the program I implemented with them. So I feel relatively confident in saying that you stick to the program, you do the things that you need to do, you can experience the same thing. Oh,
0: Yeah well i'll tell you I, we talked to uh oh i can't remember the gentleman's name he was uh he had polymetrics it was, was his was his big training method and uh i tell you that that seems to be the the big thing people wanna that want to add some hops to their vertical sure. jump sure well, you know
2: once again I tend to have kind of a obscure perspective on on training athletes and uh you know there's I, I think in a lot of ways people don't understand plyometrics and they don't understand how or why they implement the things they do. Yeah. And uh, you know my program that I have there, it, it's got some explosive type training. I wouldn't say it's got plyometrics in it. Uh, but a lot of the young athletes and even the kids got into the college level, they lack one thing. You know, fundamental strength. Oh yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how springy you are if you don't have the strength to control your body. <laughs> so. You know, I think a lot of what that program really, how come it benefit people so much, is it, it gets them strong in the correct places. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's it, it's it's made a huge difference for a lot of people. So um, you know, it's not something where you're gonna be like, well, you know, I'm not doing a thousand contacts every day. Well, I'm not going out and jumping a thousand times. Well, it's not always necessary. Yeah. Um, so it's probably enough different from what the average person sees in a vertical jump training program.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it seems that um, there's a lot of people to bring up uh, another another product you got on the website, the Ultimate Band and Chain Strength Training Guide. Over 40 kick-ass ways to explode your absolute strength. I've noticed there's a lot of people these days, just from my gym to uh, YMCA's to you know, you, you look at some of these fighters uh, mm-hmm. and some of the the combat athletes, and people are starting to leave the weight training behind a little bit or they're not doing as much and they're incorporating other things why do you think that uh, that's become a big revolution well you know this is good
2: and bad I, I think people tend to like to jump on bandwagon you know and there's there's some research out there and there's some people who tend to really say that functional training involves you know, getting away from the machines and getting away yeah. from a lot of stuff. And I agree to that to some extent, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of this stuff is just so new to the industry that people find it interesting, and and you know, it's the next greatest phase. You know, it's yeah, it's here. It's, it's you know, it's like Atkins was a year or two ago. You know, <laughs> yeah. the greatest thing, and, and you know, I I, I think the industries are reciprocal, You know, people are going to get back to uh, getting in the light room and. and you know, they're they're gonna get they're gonna get that. Tend to be three-lift oriented. You got your your bench press, your squat, your deadlift. Well, there's just so many other things that you can do with these really cool big rubber bands and chains. So um, you know that that video kind of it's it the video of my lecture, and I talk about the practicality of using the bands and chains, and then I actually show a ton of different exercises that you can do um, in any weight room or without a weight room uh, with with stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's a uh, it's a great great method. You've got the I uh, agree. You've, <laughs> yeah. you've got all sorts of uh, just from the the pitch up on the website that I saw. There is a ton of good things in there. Well, you know, it's
2: it's kind of interesting because when you do stuff like this on a daily basis, it becomes normal activity to you. But uh, yeah. And the response I had at the conference was, was somewhat overwhelming because I guess 99.9% of people out there have never really been experienced in that type of training. And, uh, you know, for them it was real cutting-edge, unique, innovative stuff. And the emails and the information I've had back from the people who bought that DVD has just been nothing but a positive. And, uh, you know, uh, all I can say is the proof is in the pudding. You know, my yeah. athletes who come into my programs, they experience you know, amazing results from training with a lot of things that I've shown at D V D. So, you know, you get third string football players who go back and start and break records for their school and, you know, just become extremely strong and explosive and well balanced. You know, it's just something about the training techniques that they use and yeah. I cover quite a bit of those in that video.
0: Well how would um to to bring up the, the whole thing with bands and uh, alternative ways of training, if somebody, let's say, wanted to, uh, well, let's say you're you're a boxer and you wanted to improve your punching power, but, you know, you you'd done the weights, you had done all the, the other things, how would bands and things of that nature uh, help, or would they help? You know, I, I've, I've actually, uh, I wrote a program for Boxer about a year and a half
2: ago, and we did implement some of the band training in there. And uh, one of the things, from kind of a scientific perspective, that makes the bench and the trains such a positive tool to use is, you know, the humans, humans are able to produce more force at end ranges of motion than they are at beginning ranges of motion. That's why we have human strength curves. You know, and if you take something like a bench press, you know, you can lock out more weight than you can push off your chest. You yeah. know, it, it, and they call that a strength curve. And all the strength curves is, is a representation of how much force you can produce through a given range of motion. Wow. Well, the problem with free weights is a 135 pound barbell is a 135 pound barbell. It doesn't matter where in the range of motion it is; it's 135 pounds. Well, if you can attach an elastic band to it, once well, the band stretched, the bar load actually increases. So, as you're getting into a stronger range of motion that weight's becoming heavier and heavier and heavier due to the added resistance of the band. So then all of a sudden, you're more efficiently addressing the strength curve of the human being. Well, another thing that I found in my research was the instantaneous power output from uh, 0.0 to the first centimeter was a lot greater when the bands were added, so you're getting more of a stretch reflex.
1: Yeah.
2: And the body is such a great animal at adapting the things that you throw at it. And, uh, you know, I think with the vertical jump, that was an instance of we train the band so much and so frequently that they got used to applying that extra force and utilizing an extra stretch reflex, and and they allowed. A lot of the premises behind that is you're taking the eccentric loading out, so you're not tearing the muscles down as much, and you can really enhance recovery so you can get better blood flow in the muscles and stuff like that. But you can also do a lot of very explosive type motions and almost throw the, throw the sled because you get a 40, 50 foot rope on it. You don't have to worry about it hitting something. It's designed to slide and drag across the mat. You're not tearing it up. And I was like, well, you know, a logical step to that would be you know, training the hips. Yeah, and uh, a lot of what we find is, is people tend to be extremely weak in the hips, and it's very important to be strong in your hips if you want to be a powerful kicker. So uh, I started implementing some of that stuff with, like, my kickers and my soccer players, and, you know, they really enjoyed it because it was something new and it was fun, and we get out of the weight room once in a while and do it. It's not something we get all the time. Um, but, once again, people have really enjoyed it, and it's just been uh, a very valuable tool to use. So, you know, it's... It, Feel free to go. You can even get on my website at PSS Athletics, and I have it in my article section. and It's illustrated, and you can
0: see what I'm talking about, and you know what Jim, James is talking about too with a lot of those different exercises. Yeah, you've got a ton of good articles on the website. I was looking over some of those yesterday, and you have some great, great stuff. It is there is just really a lot of content on that website. It's impressive. Yeah, There's going to be more and more. Yeah. <laughs> <you know> <laughs> That's the really
2: cool thing is I probably have a fourth of my articles up there. And I'm always writing more and more, um, you know. And now I'm I'm starting to write for Elite Fitness Systems and uh, Personal Trainer on the net. And I've written for about five or six years now for uh, SportsPacific.com. And it's beginning to be more of what I do is, is produce articles and write books and stuff like that. So, you know, people who do come in and sign up for my newsletter, one thing I want is I don't want it to be kind of a – you know, a one-stop thing. I want them to always be able to come back and get more information, and, and you know, become better at the craft, and hopefully
0: help people out more. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm gonna try my darndest to keep putting up some more <laughs> information. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of lot of good stuff, and I was looking over your uh, your store. You've got you know everything from the books that we we talked about earlier to uh, personal trainer in a box, which looks very interesting. <laughs> That's actually been one of my best sellers here lately. Yeah. You know, I want to make a little history on yeah, it. Or, yeah, whatnot? yeah.
2: But, you know, it, I, I guess, like I said earlier, I've kind of become somewhat popular for my unique training methods. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's how I got involved with the International Youth Conditioning Association is uh, my philosophies and ideals on training and, and you know, I'm a lot more lecturing on that. And uh, I had a lot of people emailing me and calling me asking me if, if I had programs they could buy that they could implement with their their clients, and uh, I'm a very systems oriented person, you know I, I've got five guys working for me now that all run my programs that I design, and and it, it just dawned on me one day I'm like, you know what, I've got all this stuff written out, people are really interested in it, it can help a lot of people out, why not make some extra money off of it? So I put it all together, and you know you can download it right off my website, and there's I'm up to like eighteen hundred pages worth of stuff on there. You know, wow. Pages and pages and pages and pages of training programs, There's diet plans that I use with my clients. There's testing forms. And every yeah. time I create a new program or a new testing form or something like that, I put it in there and I include it. And uh, once you buy it one time, you never ever pay for another update. You know, so the people really? who buy it with a thousand pages, uh, you know, they've got nine hundred more. It's it's a project, you know, and I I really do plan on making... of a thousand plus dollars for it you know if you're listening to this
0: and you're interested I'd step in (laughs) now sure (laughs) you know and one of the cool (laughs) things about it is I'm big into feedback you know
2: I've already had three or four people in the last six months email me and say well I'd really like to see something along this line of the program and that's the next update you know I I try to if they want more weight reduction and they want this or that I try to uh, cater to that you know Going to help them out the long run more if it's what they need. So you know, I'm very open to people providing suggestions and uh, asking for different types of programs that may not be included.
0: Yeah, well that's cool. Another one of your uh, programs on the website is the Applied Strength and Conditioning uh, package. Is that geared towards more uh, powerlifting, strongman type athletes, or what's that geared towards? That's actually geared more towards uh, the fitness professional. Oh. You know, the, uh, the the uh, strength coach or the personal trainer
2: or even physical therapist maybe or, or a, uh, a certified athletic trainer that uh, wants to learn more about basically training in general. Um, it's me, um, a guy named Lee Taft, which uh, I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are going to know who Lee Tapp, yeah. Tapp is. He is uh, undoubtedly the most brilliant mind in the industry when it comes to speed development. Um, and, and then another gentleman by the name of uh, Bill Hartman who <laughs> hands down is the most brilliant human I've ever met in my life uh, he's physical <laughs> therapist and a strength coach and genuinely has the most in-depth knowledge of how the body works I- I've ever seen in a person and it's um, funny I felt inadequate to be on the stage with these two guys but <laughs> anyways uh, you know it, it was it stemmed from Connecticut, and uh, after the conference got done, the three of us sat down at a table with a, with some beers and just started talking. And as uh, as we talked, more and more people came over. And- because there's just great information, and uh, the, you know we did we did a lot of discussion on on squat techniques. We see so yeah. many people get injured, so many problems from people squatting wrong and lunging wrong. And uh, then we talked about um, some of the problems with this industry is we train everything in a horizontal plane. Yeah. You know, everything we do tends to be a product of what gravity does. You know, so we're talking horizontal vertical loading. Well, look at sports, there's deceleration, there's cutting, you know, everything's got a real huge horizontal component to it, so, um, you know, i talked a lot about a lot of horizontal loading that I do with my athletes, and, and show a bunch of different exercises, there's some really unique stuff with that as well.
0: Wow, you've got yeah. some, you got some real good stuff available on the website, that's cool. Sure, sure. Well, I hope people
2: like it, and I hope they find some value in it, you know.
0: Well, I good. I think you've got some uh, some great stuff, and I know that a lot of people just have, have mentioned to me over when I mentioned I was going to be doing this interview, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got a wealth of knowledge on that website." So good, good, that's good. Well, it's a uh, it's a growing project. It's yeah, better and <laughs> better. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed the interview. Uh, Tony Reynolds, PSSAthletics.com, dot com has been the guest. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on. This has been a interesting conversation. Well, good. I look forward to it. But uh, I'll get you an email, let you know where it's going to be posted and everything, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. one. We'll
1: talk to you later. You too. Bye. Bye. Download all the past bits and best interviews with new things added each week at
2: jiggyjaguar.com